0: If you have your Bibles, if you don't, there's a few Bible, or you can take your smartphone and turn it on and uh, refer there to the scriptures as well. We're looking at James. We'll continue our journey through James,
1: James chapter four, and we'll be looking at verses one through ten today. We have many prayer requests, as you can see, and praises on the uh, the insert in your bulletin,
0: and so we pray that you pray over those. Also, in speaking to several of you this morning, there are many unspoken prayer requests, and so we want to be sensitive to those as well. Uh, There's a lot of praises that that we have to be thankful for, and we're grateful for that as well. Uh, God wants to hear it all, and so if you would, please bow with me for a moment. Father God, again, I thank you. I thank you that you are present with us here this morning right now. You tell us in your word. Where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are also. So we don't have to guess. You tell us in your word. We trust your word. We trust you. So you're here, and we thank you for that.
1: May we feel your presence. May we feel the warmth of the comfort of your arms around us. Open up our hearts and minds, Lord, that your message would now speak to each one of us. Right where we're at. And That's different places for all of us we ask that you
0: would be heard, Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable
1: to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May you be glorified and honored in our time together. If you look closely, I, I look like I picked out a jer- dirty shirt this morning. I didn't. It was clean when I
0: got here, kind of like the kid you send to school with his his clean clothes on and he comes home looking like well you just don't know what but I was moving some boxes back in the fellowship hall and then as you 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 see something on your shirt you think well just wipe it off but if you would just take a minute and wait maybe you would think something else and have a better plan because as soon as I did that it just smeared it all over isn't that how it is with sin though we jump in think it's just a little thing But then we jump in further and smear it, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So I didn't do anything weird. I didn't wipe my nose or anything with my shirt. If you feel like that, just come over to this side. Come over to the other side. I think that sounds cool. But I did. I just go like this, and then I got the water, because that's what you're taught, right? Go get water. Well, it just made it even worse. So anyway... It is good for us to be here this morning, amen? No matter where we come from or what's going on in our lives, and we all walk different spiritual lives, different earthly lives, um, as soon as we walk out of here, different things will happen. Um,
1: Yesterday, we got up real early and went to Lowe's. We didn't get up early enough because everybody else thought of that same thing. And so what we thought we would do and outsmart the system, because Lowe's knows, I said, well, let's
0: get this stuff. You go ahead and shop, and I'll go, because you could barely get through the aisles, you know. And so I went and checked out, stood in line and checked out with that stuff, then come back and got her
1: to get the second group. But guess what? They had not opened up any additional registers, because Lowe's knows. God knows. God doesn't need to open up any additional registers. God doesn't need to write
0: a second edition to the Bible. The first edition and only is enough. Now, there's multiple translations. I get it.
1: But there is but one word, the Word of God. That was from, is, and forever will be.
0: No matter whether we as people change, and we have culturally, educationally, uh, just all kinds of things. Even within America, we've changed a ton. And yet the one firm foundation that we have is the Word of God. It doesn't change. It won't change. It can't change. That's what makes God, God. The fact that through it all, which one of our old hymns says, through it all, he remains God. He doesn't change the rules and regulations of his righteousness and his justness to meet where we are today. As applicable, how do you like that word? As applicable as it was thou, when Jesus was born and before into Genesis chapter 1, it's
1: still applicable today. And if you don't believe me, read it. Take a step back it still
0: works the Ten Commandments are of the foundational issues of all the world of all society if you think it's, oh come on mark we'd have to have more than ten now I mean we're in the whatever century we are now I mean we got computers mark don't you think there needs to be a computer commandment
1: boy do I think there needs to be one But the Ten Commandments apply. Think about it. Let's even reduce it
0: even further to the two. The two greatest commandments, as the New Testament tells us, is to love God and to love others. If we could accomplish those two things in their fullness, guess what? We wouldn't need the other eight. It's when we lack on those first two that the other eight come into play and the rest of Scripture comes into play today. Now just think, pertinent in our lives right now. We have men and women that are now full time that go to a certain city within our country to enact and create laws upon laws upon laws. In fact, if we were to dissect it all and study it, there are laws now that negate other laws that we had, that negate other laws that we had, and there are laws out there that if we knew what they
1: were, we'd be in real trouble today, amen? Maybe that's why God said, you don't need a king. I'm giving you
0: everything you need. That's all you need. But the people said, oh, no, no, we want to be like
1: everybody else and have a king. God says, okay, but... Don't, or just let me say, I told you. James chapter 4. In this very short book of the Bible, this very
0: short letter, it's interesting too that when James wrote this, there were no chapters or no verse numbers written. It was just a letter like you and I would write to each other. This letter, remember, is being written to Jewish Christians, so to the church, to us. This letter is being written to the Jewish Christians then, the church, as it is being read today in the church. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10. Now understand where we've come from. He's talked about real faith creates genuine works. And I know that's a whole other sermon topic about works and salvation and stuff like that. But just remember, genuine real faith creates genuine works within us not that we have to work at it to do it but because it just flows through us because Jesus that we believe in that we trust in that we have faith in just becomes so much a part of our life that it just oozes out of us even when we and it's surprise. have you ever been surprised by the work of Jesus through you that you're going?
1: who was that guy it happened In Lowe's the other day I got one of those big flatbeds I couldn't
0: find one of those small ones and they'd stuffed every row with extra things of flowers well guess what they had forgotten to measure to see if the big flatbed would go through and I am just trucking to find my wife pulling that baby behind me not thinking about how wide the aisles were or where everybody else was I was going to
1: find my one true love The knockout roses. Oh, no, no, I mean Terry. Next thing you know, all of a sudden I get my arm jerked off because I caught it on another metal rack behind. We must seek and follow the Word of God. We
0: must understand where our faith and our trust and our hope is and we must believe in it enough that it's more than just an educational thing in our mind but that it fills our life so much that even in rough, tough, hard
1: times the love of Jesus just flows through without us thinking about it. It's not just a church thing. Christianity is not a way of life. Christianity is life, truly the only life, and James here is going to go in his disciplining mode, okay? So I want you to be prepared in
0: these first 10 verses because he's going to to address the church with some things that were going on then, and I want you to listen to it and put it in today's time frame, 2021, boy, we should be able to easily do this because he asked some very pointed questions back then, and he's asking them to us today. So listen as I read chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. James says this to those in the church then and to us today. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Anybody have a conflict
1: this week? Anybody have a quarrel this week? I see it. There's one back there. I see it. You know, quarrel is a nice way to say a a fight. All right?
0: James just dresses it down here not to step on any toes too much, okay? But I want you to think about it. What is the source of your quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. Wow. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. So that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us. But He gives us a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to
1: the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands,
0: you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. May God's blessing be upon the reading of his word.
1: Chuck Swindoll Tells of the story of when he was young. And Chuck, I believe, is like, it sounds like I know him, doesn't it? He doesn't know
0: me from anybody. But anyway, he tells in, in one of his commentaries of how it was when he was a kid. He's 87 years old, I believe. So, but way back, just a few years ago. About how it was when kids didn't agree and they started to fight in the playground. He said they would fight. And the rule of law in their
1: community when they fought was the loser had to eat grass. The kind you mow. Just wondering how many of you are with me. Well, anyway, the loser would have to eat
0: grass while everybody else that stood around and watched the fight would you know shout things and and clap and stuff like that and then after he ate grass before long they'd all be playing again so there was this this uh this process that happened over and over and over again on the playground there would be a fight (coughs) then they would somebody would eat grass and then they would play together and before long there'd be a fight then they would eat grass, somebody eat grass, and then they'd play together, just over and over. Now, think back to your days on the playground. Wasn't it kind of the same way? Or at the ballpark, or at the soccer field, or wherever you were, it seemed like somebody would get angry with somebody. Maybe they didn't fisty cups it out, but they would get angry, they would fight, then there would be some re- repercussions for that. Maybe they didn't have to eat grass. That seems a little bit out there. But they probably didn't treat their yards then, so it was much safer back then to eat grass. But anyway, then they would before long be playing together again. You know, usually the parents at the baseball field are the ones that are still simmering over whatever call got made or didn't get made. The kids are over there getting their free... Do they still
1: get free Cokes today? No? Bag. If you return a foul ball, do you get a free Coke? What, I
0: wouldn't... Well, then what's the incentive to return the foul ball? But anyway, they'd go out, hurry after the game, and run to the concession stand while the parents are still
1: trying to redo the game, and they're getting their free Coke, and they're out playing again. No different than the church. We worship together on Sunday morning. Then there might be disagreements or differing opinions. And then we pray only to worship again together,
0: have disagreements or opinions. And I'm choosing my words wisely here. I don't want to say fight because that sounds so bad for the church. But it's all the same thing. The church is not exempt. And that's what James is telling the church. He says, hey, what are the sources of quarrels and conflicts among you? He's talking to the church. Why are you guys having this stuff going on? the world and the church to an extent have turned our backs to God not to an extent we have turned our backs on God even the church we have been devoid of of his word and spirit what does that mean devoid of his word and spirit well some of us just it's a surface level digging into his word maybe not digging in at all if somebody else reads it or i i hear a, a verse a day i'm good but this is the the um the nutrition for us every day to live our lives. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it stomps on toes. Yes, it it does all those things, but it also comforts us, gives us strength, and helps us to understand when we can't understand with our small human minds that we have. God's in control, folks. In a very chaotic, diverse, diverse, divisive world, God is still in control. And life still happens. You would have thought over the last year and a half that all that was happening was a pandemic. Well, life was still going on in people's lives. And the foundation of getting back on path is this. And James is talking to the church saying, hey, stop it with the quarrels and the conflicts. Then he goes on in verses
1: 2 and further to say, here's why you're having these. Outside and inside the church, we struggle with making sure His Word and His Spirit is first and foremost. Now let's just take a step back. Where do people fight? Well, let me tell you people fight in business, people fight in politics. People fight in
0: religion, they fight in education, they fight in marriage, and they fight in sports, and a
1: whole lot more. Amen? True? True. And we're using the tough words now, fight. Because it, it just conjures
0: something up. And we're, we're way away from the, the ring, the fighting ring here. There is fighting even within the church. James references this here in chapter 4, verse 1, as quarrels and conflicts. If you look in the Greek, these two words would mean fights, warfare, skirmishes, and individual attacks. So It's talking about what we're conjuring up in our minds, folks, and he's addressing the church with this issue and this problem. He then, in the latter verses that we read, he then starts to narrow it down into envy and jealousy. Envy and jealousy. Envy, short definition, means this. It wants to have what someone else possesses. We learn this, and it's innate in us, at a very, very early age. Amen? you got the... You got the green tractor, I want the green tractor. I don't care if I got a red tractor, I want the green tractor, and if you got it, I'm going to take it. I envy the one that has it, so I'm going to figure out a way to get it, amen? Now if you're red and green and you want to turn that around, that's fine.
1: Jealousy wants to possess exclusively what it or the person already has.
0: Think about that. Envy wants to have what someone else possesses. Jealousy wants to possess exclusively what it all or that person already
1: has. James, in these verses, speaks a lot about envy and jealousy.
0: He specifically tells the church, these are the underlying problems of your quarrels and your conflicts. Think about it today. When I was reading to get ready for this morning, it's interesting that one of the authors pointed out that those who envy the most are those on the professional and highly educated level. Doctors and lawyers and polit- politicians and people with big titles and sports uh guys and gals that are just very acclaimed, musicians that are at the top of the musical ladder, and so on and so forth. Those people, it seems, in this person's study anyway, seem to envy and have the most jealousy. And yet you would look back and say, why them? They've got it all. And yet within them, the drive to have only drives them to want to have more. And when you think about that, it starts to make sense. Now, let's don't count ourselves out. Most of us, if not all of us,
1: within this this room this morning have. We have. We're blessed. And so envy and jealousy is not far from our lives.
0: And envy and jealousy, according to James, in the church then, and I believe in the church today, Brings us right to those quarrels and conflicts. Now somebody said in, in something else I read, well, it's Satan that does it. Well, Satan has a hand in it for sure, and he really enjoys that we get caught up in it. But as we, as we read in James 1, 2, and 3, guess what? The burden of responsibility lies with who? Me. Well, not me for you. You and me individually, each It's our responsibility because we choose. God gave us free will. We choose. Yes, Satan jumps in when he can and jumps on
1: top and pushes and shoves and does everything else to make it worse. But I choose. I choose to allow envy to be a part of my life. I choose to be jealous. I
0: choose to do or not do things that I should or shouldn't do. Why? Because I'm devoid of the word and devoid of the spirit. Why? Because as soon as I get caught up in envy and jealousy and all those things, where do my eyes come? They go off of him and onto me and the situation at the moment. And that's what James wants to point out. And he doesn't mix any words here. You ask and do not receive. Why? So they were praying. Yes, they were praying. But he goes on to say, because you ask with wrong motives. They were just going through the actions of prayer when their hearts and their minds were speaking something totally different.
1: Why, he says in the verse, verse 3, so that you may spend it on your pleasures because it's all about us. He says in verse
0: 4, those who want to be a friend of the world. Now, none of us would openly admit, oh, I want to be a friend of the world.
1: But our actions and our lives may scream that without us uttering a word. He goes on in these latter verses 8-10
0: through 10 and just a couple before, to give us the result. So if we, if we stand up here this morning and say, well, this is all the stuff we're doing, and we're all going, yep, that's me, I'm in it. I'm, I'm, maybe not as much as you, Mark, but I'm in it. We also have to teach what James teaches to the church then, that here's the resolve. Because there's always, 1 Corinthians, it says... I won't give you any more temptation than I'll provide for you a way of escape. Amen? Now what happens in the midst of temptation is we're not looking for the escape, are we? We're enjoying the temptation maybe too much that we fail to see the bright light that says, go this way and get out because this is not where God wants you to be. But God provides, through James' letter here to the church, ways to escape. He says in verse 6, but he gives a greater grace. How much greater can grace be? But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It doesn't mean you can't be proud of things or people. That's not what he's saying.
1: But be proud in the extent that you still acknowledge who God is. Grace to the humble. It's hard to be humble in our world today, isn't it? When you get in your cars and leave this place,
0: chances are if you take 31, you're going to have less a chance of being humble than you do if you take 296 and go the other way.
1: Right? Isn't this so confusing out here? I just think, I, I told,
0: well, I can't tell that story. I love preschool stories. If you want to hear a good one, see me or Terry after school. I was going to say after school. After church. Because there's a cool one with these, this little boy. But anyway, I, I, I kind of feel like this little boy that she had going through a situation at preschool. Boy, I wish I could tell you. But anyway, out here, have you ever seen two miles back, there's, there's, there's signs that say, when blinking, go 45. See those? Then about a mile later, there's some more signs. Now, nothing's happened in here. A mile later, there's some two more blinking signs that say, when blinking, go 45. Now, the law says I should do what the signs say, right? So, when it's blinking, I should go how much? Okay, so now, the first mile, nothing's happening. The second mile,
1: nothing's happening. Now, what do I do? Yeah! Were you with me this morning? <laughs> but see, so within me, I'm trying to think, do I, don't I, do I, don't I? Then what do
0: I do? I look around. Is anybody else watching? Especially those special cars that have a lot of extra certain colored lights on them and certain license plates. Well, there's, big God, there's no construction going on here. Why do I need to go? Mark, it's blinking. I know it's blinking, but God, there's nothing going on here, so why do I have to do it? Because it's blinking. But God says, because I
1: told you so. You ever been in those battles with God? Boy, I have. But God, Mark, is the light blinking? Can you see? Well, yeah, but everybody else is going 65. See if that gets you. Submit, therefore, to God. Isn't it amazing in our lives when nothing else works? When nothing else works, we submit to God for the most part. When all along life's journey, the lights have been flashing, the directions have been given, what to do. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Wow. Not just get you through that situation. Submit to God and and what will happen? The devil will be moved away from you. Draw near to God. How do you draw near to God? Through prayer and reading the Scripture. Just quiet time. Just giving up. Lord, I don't know.
0: I don't know how to get through the next minute, let alone the next day. I don't know where life's going to take me tomorrow, let alone the next week. But God, I'm, I'm yours, and
1: I don't know what else to do. Draw near to God. And what does it say, the promise of the Scripture? He will draw near to you. He will draw near to you. Some people say, Mark, how do I know He's there? Well, I can't necessarily explain
0: it. It happens differently in everybody's lives. But I can tell you, He has never not lived up to a promise. He will draw near to you. Then James goes on and gets specific to these Christians. He says, "Cleanse your hands, you sinners; cleanse your hands. Do some washing. Purify your hearts, you double-minded boy." He gets at him, doesn't he? He doesn't give him any mince any words here. Verse nine: Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you. And you're kind of going, "Oh my gosh, I got to become sad to really get close to God." No, what it does mean is cleanse your hands. Stop doing evil. Stop doing evil. It's within our grasp to be able to decide not to do it. It's not easy, I'll tell you. Boy, I fail. I fail. Thank goodness for 1 John 1, 1.9, it says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to con- uh, forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you didn't know, that's the Christian's bar of soap. 1 John 1, 1.9, write it down. Purify your hearts. Stop thinking about evil. And that's hard too. When the evil thoughts come in, thoughts come in, you have to kind of redirect. And I just find something easy to think about. So you think about, I
1: think about my wife. That's not an evil thought, is it? So redirect our thoughts away from evil. I didn't hear that, but we can play it back. We have mics. Be miserable
0: and mourn and weak. What does he mean by this? Live a life of drudgery and being dull? No feel remorse for our wickedness why because when we understand where we truly are with god it it prayerfully will cause us to want to convert and as as don mentioned to go or maybe adam i can't remember who this one to go in the right direction to turn from where we're going and head in the right direction make that turn let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to Now it doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to have a full and abundant life. Because He does. That's what the Bible says. He wants you to find happiness. But more importantly, He wants you to find true joy in life. Don't make a joke out of our
1: wickedness like our world seems to be really good at right now. Humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord. And what does He do? He exalts.